see that things are um, chaotic and disjointed and out of place, whether you consider the wars and violence or poverty and injustice or disease, divorce, depression, abortion, adultery, pornography, the list could go on forever. You can't help but feel overwhelmed and burdened. If you've never experienced that, just turn on the evening news for five minutes, and I guarantee you'll probably feel depressed. And a lot of Christians, I think it leaves them wondering, where do we even start doing the work of God? Because there seems to be so much to get done and do. How do we become people who bring flourishing and order and justice and offer hospitality to the stranger? How do we become people whose words and actions bring good news to our city? And we're going to just go ahead and dive into that. So go ahead and open your Bibles up to Jeremiah chapter 29. We'll be looking at verses 4 through 7. And it should be page 545 if you're using a pew Bible. Jeremiah 29, 4 through 7. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. And the kind of the overarching question we've been looking at the past month or so is, what is our salvation for? What is our salvation actually for? And we've learned that the purpose of our salvation is to give life to others. And of course, part of that is being you know, forgiven and reconciled back to God, but it's also becoming people who give all that we have and all that we are to bring healing to our world. And we start by doing that in the city of which we live. Now the Jews, if you look at that again in Jeremiah, the Jews found in this passage found themselves in a position that they did not want to be in. They were taken from their hometown, their home country, Um, They became um, captives, taken several hundred miles away to this foreign pagan city called Babylon. They did not want to be there. They didn't want to associate with these people. They didn't want to get involved relationally. They did not want to help that city flourish. They did not want to pray for the city and get to know these people that spoke differently, worshiped differently, dressed differently, and acted differently than they did. All they wanted to do was dream about the day they could return home. And in the midst of being taken captive into this foreign city, God looks down on the Jews and says, hey, I want you guys to build houses and settle down. Marry and have sons and daughters. And seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So rather than complaining and being miserable about about their situation, God just says, hey guys, let's get to work. Roll your sleeves up. And it's time to get your hands dirty. You know, rather than just withdrawing from people, I want you to dive in socially and relationally. Get to know these people. Bless this city. Pray for this city. Rather than wanting what you can't have and dreaming about how great life would be elsewhere, I'm asking you to lay down your roots for a while. Bloom where I have you. Bloom where you're planted. And do your part 
to seek the peace and prosperity of this city. Because if Babylon prospers, you too will prosper. And as Bob said last week, our purpose as families and as uh, the church family of Wellspring is to be a blessing to others. And we seek the peace and prosperity of our city by being a blessing to its people. By being people who extend mercy and favor to others, to offer healing to others, by being great listeners, and by our generous acts of kindness, by caring for the poor, the orphan, the marginalized and neglected, and by taking in the stranger into our home and caring for the hurting. And whether we like it or not, St. Joseph, Missouri is the place that God has placed us at this time in our life. You might live in Savannah or Maryville, but for all practical purposes, we're just going to say most of us have been placed right here in this city. Now we can, you know, we can complain about it, we can be miserable about it. Some of us grew up here, lived here our whole life, some of us moved here for work or family, some of us don't have any idea what we're doing in this city, and we wonder that every day, and that's fine. Regardless, you're here at this time and place in your life. You can be miserable, you can dream about how the grass is surely greener in another city or another state and how most of your problems would go away if you moved to California. But at this time, this is where God's placed us. And every city is different. They're unique in their people, their cultures, their different felt needs. Residents of Miami, Florida probably have more specific and different felt needs than those of us that live here. New Yorkers probably have different felt needs than people that live in Mexico City or Seattle. So we're going to take a minute and talk about St. Joseph, and I want to hear from you guys. We have some smart people here. So I want you to consider this question. Feel free to write it down if you want, or write down your response. So here it is. For those of you who have called St. Joseph home for any significant amount of time, what would you say are some of the felt needs in our city? This is not an opportunity to bash St. Joe, talk about how miserable you are, or criticize people that work in a profession that you think is failing in our city, but in all sincerity and humility, in your observation as you've lived here and discovered, what are some of the things when you see them, they break your heart, things, some felt needs that you've discovered in St. Joseph, Missouri? Anything come to mind? What's that? Yes, very high population of um, homelessness. Yes, absolutely. What else? What's that? Trash? Yeah, yeah, definitely a lot of tra- a lot of litter, sure. Yes, Scott. Yes, substance abuse, very rampant. Yes, absolutely. A lot of hurting children, absolutely. We've got some social workers here. You can definitely confirm that. Anything else? Hungry people, yeah, that definitely plays into some of the homelessness. Yeah, that's great. You know, there are a lot of, there's a lot of things that could play a part in keeping our city from flourishing. It could be the selfishness and greed of individuals who are unwilling to be generous. It could be so many children growing up in divorced and single parent households that they have no idea what a healthy, functional family even looks like. It could be children who are victims of being raised by just... Um, Poor parents, poor parenting, poor financial management, or just extremely selfish caregivers, and the children suffer. The list could go on. In the video, it talked a lot about gardening and how gardeners remove uh, uh, barriers to the flourishing and harmony of natural systems. Because in every garden, 
beautiful things are going to grow up right next to destructive things, weeds and whatnot. And the truth is that there are also barriers that we allow to take place in our hearts that hinder us from doing our part to helping our city flourish. And for many of us, any solution except sharing life with people is the way that we like to operate. It's a lot easier to give a donation or take a box of stuff that we don't need down to Salvation Army than it is to actually spend time with the struggling family in need. It's a lot easier to write a check for food than it is to give that person a ride, cook them a meal, and invite them into your own home. It's a lot easier to tell someone, hey man, I'm praying for you, than it is to be the person that they know that they can call at 3 o'clock in the morning when they have an emergency and they need your help. And there are several barriers in my heart that hinder me from doing my part to helping this city flourish. Top two, surely I'm not the only one, would be selfishness and laziness. It is a lot more comfortable for me to sit in my basement and watch Kansas City Chiefs games than it is to go out in my neighborhood or the guest house or somewhere and spend time with children or teenagers that probably need an adult role model to look up to. Um, It's a lot easier for me to just get home from work after a tough day, shut the door, lock the door, shut the blinds off, shut off all the world when my friends or family could be struggling, my neighbors could be experiencing a tragedy, but I don't have the time to deal with it because it's been a tough day. So out of sight, out of mind. And so what about you guys, if anyone's willing to be vulnerable? What are some of the barriers in our own hearts that hinder our city from flourishing? What are some of the barriers in your heart that hold you back from doing your part to meeting some of the felt needs in St. Joseph, Missouri, if anyone would be willing to share? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Getting involved in people's lives can just be emotionally draining and just very difficult, so it's easier to, yeah, just stay away from it. Good, what else? What are some of the barriers in your own heart that hinder you? What's that? Trust. trust. Can you expound? Just putting trust in people you don't know. Mm. Maybe didn't have good morals growing up, invite them into your house, yeah. expose them to your family. Keeping your eye on the knives like that guy was? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What else? Fear of rejection. Sure, yeah. <clears throat> What's? Sure, yeah, yeah. When just natural disasters take place, it's a lot easier to sit in the comfort of your home and not dive in and help. Good. You can't bring about the peace and prosperity of a city without mingling with its strangers. You can't bring about the peace and prosperity of a city without mingling with its strangers. And I'm not even referring to a stranger as someone that you've never seen before, someone that you don't know. A stranger could be the neighbor that you've lived next to for 15 years that you've never taken the time to know. A stranger could be the person that you share an office or an office cubicle with that you've never taken the time to actually express meaningful interest in their life. A stranger could be the teenage child that some of you are raising, and every time you try to have a conversation with them, you want to pull your hair out because it goes nowhere. That person could be a stranger to you. And Pastor Tim Keller, in his book, The Meaning of Marriage, I've got a quote for you. He shared a quote by um, a guy named Stanley Howaross to describe even our spouse can feel like a stranger. He says, we never know whom we marry. We just think we do. 
Or even if we first marry the right person, just give it a while and he or she will change. For marriage, being the enormous thing it is, means we are not the same person after we have entered it. The primary problem is learning to love and care for the stranger to whom you find yourself married. Um, Right now in our life, my wife and I are in the process of moving into our new home, and I've lived in our current house a little over five years, and it's kind of, last month or so, I've had some time to just kind of evaluate just maybe just what I was like in that neighborhood that we've lived in and what kind of neighbor I was, and I've definitely came to some realizations. Um, One of them is that I never took any time to get to know the neighbors that I've lived with for the past five years. And it wasn't that I was really rude to them. I was just too preoccupied with my own life, and I didn't care enough to care about theirs. So rather than allowing God to interrupt me while they were standing outside, probably wanting to say hello, I would just do ridiculous stuff like get out of my car and look up at a tree and act like I was distracted by a squirrel that wasn't even present, but I just wanted to act like I was busy and preoccupied, or whip my cell phone out when I pull up to the driveway, act like I'm in a real deep conversation with someone that's not even on the line. Anybody use that one? Yeah, that's right. Don't follow my example. So rather than allowing myself to be inconvenienced, I just kept living as though my neighbors didn't exist. Not one time did I invite them into my house or cook a meal for them. And as we are kind of spending, we're kind of remodeling the house we're going to be moving up to. And sometimes when we're out in the yard, there's a family west of us, um, a young family that has a few kids, and their kids like to talk to us sometimes. This time around, I I want to be a little more intentional. I have some vision for what I want us to look like in that new neighborhood. I want to talk to those kids, play with them. I want to go over and introduce myself to their parents and invite them over for a barbecue and take some time to actually get to know them. And, you know, it reminded me, kind of reminded me too, just as I was looking back on how horrible of a neighbor I've been the past five years of what a missionary told me. In 2008, when I was visiting South Africa, he told our team, he said, if you can't be a missionary in your hometown, you have no right moving to a foreign country. He said, if you can't care for the literal physical neighbors that live next to you, you have no right moving 5,000 miles away to care for the poor. And I'll never forget that. And I think another thing that it's important for us to take to heart is that those of us that have tried to reach out to the stranger and we haven't seen much change or impact in it, just know that God is just as concerned with how your heart has been changed through that process. Even if you love someone and you do so much for them and you, and you care for them and they just go back to their stupid, sinful ways, God's just as concerned with how your heart was humbled through that relationship and that journey and how your heart became more like the heart of a servant. And I think, you know, God is in the business of interrupting our lives. He does a really good job of that. I think a lot of times he brings people into our life who are just in a horrible situation or are really hurting, and he just places them right in front of you, and it's almost as if he just looks down and says, hey, will you do something about that? Justin, will you help him? I think he also puts us in situations sometimes. He presents a circumstance or a scenario right in front of us that's rooted in pride and injustice and selfishness, and he says, Hey, will you make this right? Will you do your part to reconcile these individuals? Will you do your part to help these kids who are, you know, just being affected by the ignorance of their, of their parents? And Mother Teresa said, we got one last quote. She said that, <clears throat> I see Jesus in every human being 
I say to myself, this is hungry Jesus. I must feed him. And this is sick Jesus. This, this one has leprosy or gangrene. I must wash him and tend to him. I serve because I love Jesus. And God's not looking for super Christians, as I like to call them. He's not looking for extra holy individuals to do his work. He's looking for the ordinary sinner who's been wounded from this life, but who's also been graciously redeemed by an incredible God who's willing to go out and be wounded healers to others. So who might God be asking you to love? Is it the literal stranger that walks your street every morning? Is it the stranger that sleeps under the same roof as you? Who might you need to forgive and extend some grace and compassion towards? What situation in your life needs you to step up and do something about rather than sitting back and being lazy and passive? What might God be asking you to do to bring peace and healing to our city? Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, we are so thankful for your word. God, I'm so thankful that you use wounded people like us, God, to be your hands and feet to the place that you have called us, God. Right now, most of us live in this city, God. Uh, No matter what our thoughts are about that, God, or how we feel about it, God, I pray that we would do your will to seek the peace and prosperity of St. Joseph, Missouri and its residents, God. I pray that we would be attentive to the barriers in our heart, God, whatever is pride, selfishness, laziness, God, apathy that hinder us from diving in and rolling up our sleeves and just getting to work to bring justice to this city and peace and prosperity. So, God, we just thank you for your great love for us. I pray that you would speak to us today. God, help us to be just mindful and attentive and respond to whatever it is that you might have laid on our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and stand with us as we sing one last song.